Namaste. So today we enter the penultimate part of the synthesis of yoga, the book, the yoga of integral perfection. The word perfection implies a number of things to us. One is a kind of order. The most elementary understanding of perfection is that things should be in a certain order. So they are called as perfectionists to like to do everything in a certain way. There is another meaning of perfection and it is lifting any one quality or aspect to its ultimate possibility. Perfection of knowledge, perfection of love, perfection of peace. So to take it to its ultimate possibility. And the third sense of perfection is a roundedness where all the different things are together in a harmonious unity. That's what we try to create when we say perfection means order. Basically what we are uh, speaking of is a harmony, a harmonious totality of things. So in integral yoga, because nothing has to be left out and everything included in the grand uh, perfection, therefore in integral yoga, perfection is not merely an accumulation of a set of qualities. The mother says that this is the big problem with human beings that they reduce divine perfection to a set of virtues. And uh, if you proceed along those lines in the end, you will eliminate everything possible in the world. But that's not how divine perfection uh, operates. So ordinarily, the word perfection, uh, what we mean by the word perfection is a mundane human perfection. By that it means a human being who is ethical, moral, rational, who acts according to a certain kind of discipline and order, organizes his life well, etc., etc., then the second kind of perfection we have is a religious perfection. Now, mundane perfection is something which is here. One wants to be a person who can connect with the world very well, who manages his own life very well. And the other is the religious perfection where this life is meant for as a preparation for the beyond. So one leads a life which is a very pious life, life of saintliness, a life dedicated to doing bhajans and you know, uh, Samran, uh, Simran, Kirtan, etc. So that after this, one transits to the beyond without need of a visa. One goes through the, you know, straight away the uh, diplomatic channel. So this is what is normally understood by perfection. But here in the integral yoga, the sense of perfection is something slightly different. What is implied here is, as Swami Vivekananda said in his famous Chicago lecture, that our basic nature is divine, but it is covered with all kinds of things. So fundamental nature is divine in every human being, but it is covered by all kinds of distortions, deviations, etc. etc. So first, the sense of perfection is we must uncover this divine nature. And what is meant by, what is the difference between this divine nature and the ordinary nature in its operations is, ordinary human nature acts too much under the stress of the ego and therefore it generates duality. So it will generate happiness and sorrow, uh, sorrow, victory and defeat, all these senses part of the outer nature. But the divine element in nature doesn't act like that. You know, there is a very beautiful line, for example, in Savitri, we see at the root, what is true divine nature. And it's described beautifully in the triple soul forces. You know, when we talk about nature and the inferior modes or the three modes of nature, we see that they have a dual movement. One movement which is a movement in ignorance where we have its plus and minus. But in its origin is beautifully described in the triple soul forces. And when Shubhendra describes the Madonna of might, so he says, I reason not of virtue or of sin, but do the deed that is there in my heart. So, it is done without the sense of duality. It is not for victory or defeat uh, or with this idea that, you know, I'll get a name or fame, anything like that. It is impelled to do something which is guided by the divine, under the influence of the divine. And that action is a divinely driven action. So this is what is understood by the true divine nature within us. Meaning thereby, it implies that the three gunas in their operation, the Sattva, Rajo and Tamaguna, they undergo a change. For instance, Tamogun, which right now generates inertia. So that's why when a person is in a state of inertia, one says, I am feeling very lazy and I am feeling very tamas. And Tamogun, you know, automatically draws forces of disintegration. That's why when people enter into Tamogun, they have a tendency to fall sick. Why? Because nature goes into a mode that now, you know, I just want to, uh, the word is chill, but... <laughs> It draws the forces which it automatically triggers in the environment, you know, unless it is for rest. 
it will bring in forces which will start operating like people are known who for long time they just are in the bed their bones automatically become osteoporotic even their blood pressure begins to shoot up why because the body is not being used so all the forces which can attack towards a disintegration they tend to start operating so this is tamogun but tamogun in the higher supernature is basically a self existent peace so when there is a change of nature from tamogun changes into a peace and calm which remains undisturbed under all circumstances so from the duality it recovers its unity in duality is inertia and movement but here it's a calm which remains in a state when we are resting and remains when we are operating or even on the battlefield so this is the difference that comes similarly rajogun normally kinetic driven action under the impulsion of ego and ambition that changes into its divine equivalent which is uh, the will the the force the luminous force so this force is a divinely guided force it's not ego it's not a striving under the stress of the ego with an eye on the result but a divinely driven force that begins to operate within us and the rajogun changes into tapas so tapas here is a self fulfilling tapas it's not tapasya in the sense somebody sits and closes the eye but tapas meaning thereby the entire energy of will is concentrated and is under the influence of the divine will so that action carries a very different quality um, than the action which is done ordinarily under the rajogun so the tamogun changes into shantihi and the rajogun changes into tapas and what about the satgun satgun normally we want to have some light for action now this light is ordinarily the reward of a scripture so people who are satgun pradhan they will say i must do my duty according to what is prescribed and proscribed but when this satgun undergoes a change then it become jyotihi so this jyotihi and this prakash is independent of any outer scriptural writing and the codes of conducts written there but based on an inner light as it develops within us we move it's like an intuitive seeing so this is how this nature has to be brought forward and activated so we have to take up the old nature and within it this higher divine nature must come enter percolate and change all the movements and activities as and when that happens we will experience more and more of this divine perfection emerging into the play otherwise within this perfection is always there if one goes within one will discover uh, this state of inner perfection but to bring it out in life is the big challenge of integral yoga so uh, shobinda very beautifully says that the um, we arrive at the aim of the tantra but by the <laughs> goal of the tantra but by the path of vedanta so first thing is to discover the one divine presence so what is done in tantra because we are speaking of synthesis in tantra it is the movement of nature and energies here it is a transformation of nature and tantra is the only system of yoga which tries to synthesize soul and nature in all other systems nature is just modified a little bit so that we uh, it it doesn't become a big stumbling block for the soul to be liberated from its grip so generally there is satva sansuddhi yama and niyamas of patanjali so that you know it doesn't block the soul from its when we sit in meditation if we have practiced yama and niyama then we will sit quietly we have not eaten much we have not stolen anybody's heart or money and therefore we are at peace when we sit and life is beautiful you don't have to worry about income tax whether i have paid or not so because you have done the things which you are not supposed to do so yama and niyama help the nature becomes satvik satva sansuti and therefore we can um, enter into that um, soul enjoyment state till the time we are sitting in meditation and then we bring something of that in our life depending on the degree and intensity it remains to a point so many of these uh, people who follow the traditional yoga don't enter into a deep engagement with the world because then the world is like an ocean it will besiege us and an individual soul may not be able to especially when it is unripe can easily get drawn back into that state so this is the vedantic aim but what does tantra do tantra says there is an energy divine energy involved even in matter so it starts exploring this energy and starts raising it step by step through the system of chakras the chakras are nothing but they are centers where the universal becomes the individual so ultimately there is this idea that there is an individual personality is one of the illusions that we all carry but how is that formed ultimately there is not a single thought which is exclusively our own thought 
not a single movement which is exclusively of one human being movement everything is there in the universe but this universal in every individual enters into a certain degree quality and quantity wise through certain knots so the universal mind will enter into the individual mind through the centers in the head the individual power of the dynamizing mind which is an externalizing mind will enter into walk through the vishuddhi chakra the individual the universal movement of love will enter into the individual heart through a, through the vortex in the anahat chakra and so on and so forth right down to matter so in traditional tantra all these uh, centers are awakened so we discover new possibilities why because individual opens to the universal but in shurbindu yoga it is not enough because if you open to the universal at some point it will happen inevitably but when we open to the universal meaning thereby that universal has all kinds of things it has ranges which are very high Uh, not accessible to ordinary human mind but ranges also which are very low and dark also not accessible to the human mind human consciousness so it opens into the universal bringing its own possibility and its own challenges and difficulties but anyways the tantric um, that's why in tantra you need a guru right there by the side vedanta can be practiced without a living guru or a you know physical guru because you have to meditate upon the principles and the idea but in tantra because it's up there is an upheaval of nature Uh, with emergence of new things and yet when the tantric uh, yogin is completely steadfast in the guidance then slowly it steps the the through the kundalini this uh, divine energy uh, moves step by step from its lower to higher and higher formations till it finally bursts through the um, brahmarandra into the uh, thousand petal lotus and then it meets its lord lord um ishwara and therefore there is a liberation but the uniqueness about this yoga is that this liberation is not by annulling nature normally in vedanta you don't care about it you just take up one strand and enter into the liberated state that's it but tantra says no i want to have fun on the way joy on the way bhukti and therefore i'll go so tantra is a path where there is enjoyment and power both of them together as it climbs where vedanta leans more on the knowledge aspect of the divine consciousness so what really is the aim of tantra joy on the way if we want to put it like that like greek mystics they had this dionysian mystics now here also in shurbindo's yoga the end point interestingly is a divine enjoyment of the world because if it is a play there must be joy in the play <laughs> what's the point of having a play where you are feeling all the time mara mari ho rahi hai and you know you are struggling you are elbowing there is a foul play you are falling you are crying you don't even know the rules of the game so, but it comes through the goal of vedanta what is the goal of vedanta goal of vedanta is mukti and of tantra is bhukti bhukti towards mukti so it it is understood that it is dangerous because when we enter into bhukti enjoyment and then reach towards mukti it, it's very difficult that's why many of the vedantins shun these powers they say we don't want to do any anything with all this we just want the mukti part because bhukti to mukti is very dangerous now shrivindo combines it so there is a synthesis of the vedantic and the tantric yoga here here also nature must arrive at its fullness look at our mind what a limited capacity people often complain that they can, cannot remember things they cannot you know put things in order this is within the human limits to expand it you know there are there are human beings leave aside um, two stories of shurbindo and swami vivekananda how they could remember shurbindo's classic stories where friends were playing a card game and shurbindo was reading a novel and within half an hour he finished the book and kept it aside so one of them remarked hey so um, uh, they used to call him tyagarajan uh, that's how he was called <laughs> You have read it, so he said yes. Oh, sure, you have read the full thing in half an hour. He said yes. So randomly, one of them picked up, opened a page, and said, "Okay, tell me what is there." And Shurvindu could recount the whole thing completely, the whole page. So that is the power that, and it is not an extraordinary power according to Shurvindu. <laughs> power of thought reading. When somebody asked Swami Vivekananda, he said, "Oh, I can teach you in three days," but that's not. Uh, yoga <laughs> there is there is a you know instance of somebody by the name of uh, mr harkishan who who could just remember things shakuntala devi amazing so these are powers within the range of human limits but normally we don't experience it and yet they are waiting for discovery because they can definitely make life a little more <laughs> comfortable uh, though of course uh, all power comes with a rider 
that uh, you know uh, be fit enough to lift the giant bow because if you don't it will fall on your head and crush you so <laughs> bhima's mace should not be lifted by an ordinary Uh, person because if he tries it if by chance he lifts it a little bit in all likelihood he'll be crushed below it so there is a preparation required of a different kind so in shurabindu's yoga it starts with shuddhi mukti so there is a purification of nature why purification purification is not about moral uh, purification ethical purification or sat sansuddhi as it is done in the traditional sutras yoga sutra because that is within the human range here the purpose of purification is that my mind heart life body should be prepared to receive the divine impact and the divine is not bound by any uh, moral ethical notions however high they may be so one has to align these different parts open them and align them to the divine truth take for instance mind if the uh, normally in ordinary life purification means i'll do things according to the prescription of the scriptures the rituals and all these things i'll follow but in the the divine purity in in the mind in in the higher senses to be moved and guided by the divine um, uh, light by the divine wisdom that moves the mind it may move in such a way that arjuna was baffled that what are you asking me to do it's not there in the scriptures so arjuna had practiced sat sansuddhi yama niyama he was saying no 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 it is not written in the yoga sutras i have read them all how are you asking me to fight but shri krishna says this is the divine wisdom and the divine will at this point of time so purification in in this um, yoga means something very different from what is ordinarily understood by the word purification shuddhi this shuddhi leads to mukti why because uh, we are bound by all these kinds of dual reactions uh, good bad pleasant and pleasant uh, with their all kinds of reactions says sukham dukham but when our nature is aligned to the divine then what it experiences is a state of peace and joy often people ask how to know that divine will is operating within us well we will know it by these spontaneous emergence of peace and bliss within that's how all divine action is by even if we are on the battlefield of kurukshetra even if we are shooting the arrows no more arrows here but uh, well uh, whatever we are <laughs> we are having a fist fight even there there will be a joy and peace because one is aligned to the divine will it's no more for uh, proving a point see that was the difference between karna and arjuna so karna wanted to prove a point so it was not a nishkam karma he wanted to prove the point that i am greater than arjuna for arjuna henceforth after the gita it was the command of the lord he has asked me to fight i must fight well but that's it that's the thing which is required so it brings mukti you are automatically freed from the clutch of ego and desire so in integral yoga shubhendra speaks a lot about psychic prana sometimes this word may be confusing because the word psychic is used in a different sense later on but in the synthesis in those chapters he is referring to the sense of the false sense of i i feel like it i want to so this is the kind of desire soul in man which presents itself as the real self but it's not the real self so very often people say meri marzi main jo karna chahu to okay fine do your marzi but it will lead you towards more and more pain and suffering so the this idea that i must do things as i wish or feel like this is how modern mind operates but in the yoga it is as the divine will dictates me to do so this desire self for the psychic prana is the main reason why our nature is held in the grip of the forces of ignorance how to free ourselves from that we have already seen the key practice of integral yoga the one key two key three key in terms of practice the real key will come but the key which should be practiced throughout from birth till birth means birth into the yoga and uh, then there is no death for a yogin but from the birth till the shedding of the body is equanimity this is the practice that must be so deeply instilled that even the physical self should not have a tremor um, uh, or a quiver just because there is a contrary opinion just because things are not happening as we would want them to happen just because there is a danger to my physical being there has to be a state of perfect equanimity now how does equanimity come equanimity comes by faith what is this faith that is required in the integral yoga kalyana shraddha that is the one word shirbindu uses whatever is happening whatever may happen is ultimately will lead to the supreme good i may not understand it because 
the ways of God baffle human intelligence naturally. If they were just as I thought about it, then imagine how difficult it will be for God. Because every human beings think differently. And he wants God to think like him. Imagine poor God, what state he will be in. Like that movie Bruce Almighty. I think there was, you know, its copy in Hindi also. You know, everybody wants that God should grant me this, that. And if he doesn't grant that, oh, he is not a merciful God, he is a cruel God. So they baffle human intelligence. And yet he takes us through alleys, through things which may look like blind ends. And yet he is taking us because he knows the way he should take us. So Kalyan, Shraddha or faith is the basis of equanimity in this yoga. Because equanimity can arise through various ways. One is a philosophical equanimity. This is how life is. This is how world is. Let's accept it the way it is. Such a faith will not help us to change the world. Then the second kind of faith comes through a religious resignation. Where we don't understand the will. Deep inside we are, uh, why have you done it? Okay, anyways, whatever you feel like doing, do. Now, <laughs> you know when parents tell a child, okay, okay, do it. A child is not happy. He wants the full, yes, do it. So this is how it is, a religious resignation, where you resign. You still want things to be otherwise. But you have resigned because you have very little say in the matter. That's a kind of equanimity. Stoic equanimity, what to do? You have to endure the process. It is not this equanimity, but the equanimity which is born out of Kalyan Shraddha. That luminous equanimity, that whatever is happening, whatever, however dense the appearances may be, even if it, they seem darkest, Beautifully, Mother says, faith is the surest guide in the darkest days. At the end of the tunnel, there always is light. And who is carrying us? Why this Kalyana Shraddha? It's not like uh, what I want will happen ultimately. That's how people often, I have faith in God. Uh, Then the next moment they say, but you know, last five days I have faith, but I am not getting well. (laughs) What if God wants to call you? It's okay, enough is enough. This is disastrous, no? People often, what are you saying, sir? God, I mean, he knows best. Kalyan Shraddha can go to that extent. Where even when an Abhimanyu is on the battlefield and slain and mercilessly and imagine his life that right there Krishna is there on the battlefield. He is not sitting in an ashrama and meditating. He is mighty warrior himself and his father Arjuna and the sequence of events take place in such a way that Abhimanyu dies, leaving behind his wife who is pregnant at a young age. Can there be any further tragedy for any anyone? But Arjuna doesn't say, Oh, I thought you are God. You showed me the Vishwarupa. What did you do for me? No, that's the hallmark of a disciple. So faith is Kalyan Shraddha. Then one becomes an Arjuna. That okay, whatever may happen. And today we understand, had Abhimanyu lived... He would have lived only for maybe another 50, 60, 70, 100 years. Abhimanyu's death made him immortal. So whenever one has to consider Kirti, it is Abhimanyu, not Arjuna, not Karna. People say brave as Abhimanyu, Shaurya. So his ways are like that. He came for that. He wanted his name to be immortalized, to do such a mighty deed. So this is how Kalyan Shraddha must be there. And this process of Kalyan Shraddha and Shuddhi eventually brings Mukti. It's a state of deep inner peace. And in that peace, we experience the self, the divine self. It is beautiful. <laughs> so... <laughs> can be experienced in a moment as much as in the entire landscape of time. Then, having realized the divine self, the next part starts. Not that they go one, two, three, four. They go together. But first stress should be to realize the divine self. Then the other two steps. So, Shuddhi, Mukti, Siddhi. Now comes perfection. So, perfection means now, that every part of nature must discover itself in fullness. How does that happen? The divine Shakti begins to pick up one part after another. So it picks up the mind and starts changing it into, the other day somebody was saying in another webinar, mind of light. So when there is a mind of light, the scripture can be kept aside or it can be read for the joy of it. Mind of light spontaneously has within it an inbuilt scripture which is for you. It's no more like a guidance from outside, but the mind of light shows us. It is free. It frees us from the fundamental ignorance. 
what is this fundamental ignorance that i am the mind i am i am the body i am the life no it it shows us clearly who we are so just as in lower nature up till now nature created buddhi when the, there is the action of the divine shakti on the mind it liberates and creates a mind of light which is something higher than the buddhi or the discerning intelligence which was up till now the highest point of nature so there is the mind of light so buddhi is something which comes from below mind of light is created because the action of the divine shakti on the mind so there is a difference between the two and then it will create the the walk the power of thought the power of word the power of speech it is no more the ignorant speech which is trying to okay there is god there is world and how are they mixed up making diagrams super mind above over mind higher mind illumined mind they are in today it doesn't work like that <laughs> because everything is everywhere it's a different dimension altogether so all this knowledge comes spontaneously and expresses itself in terms of speech so this is the uh, you know purification and and the power of the instrument shobindo deals with it at great length so there is all speech as uh, you know becomes a veda to put it that way so this is how this instrument releases its own powers and if somebody practices it it can go to an extent you know that's how one understand the word of the rishis who had tried to get this illumination in the mind that somebody who has practiced speaking truth then whatever he speaks becomes true so when this now here it's not through an outer practice but because there is a liberation of the power of speech then the speech naturally chimes with truth what is spoken becomes like a tathastu because it is chiming with truth then comes the perfection of the heart the the siddhi of the heart where all the different baffled emotions struggling emotions morning i am happy evening i am sad night i am down the dumps then again early morning ah, it's a lovely day raat gayi baat gayi it's not like that anymore it's like all the time there's this divine love ananda sweetness which starts beauty beatitude which awakens within us and of course when it comes to the surface there still may be quivers but deep inside it's always there the divine love of which we spoke you know yesterday and the ananda self existent ananda the beatitude life itself right now life is completely under the influence of matter so what happens if body is sick life also begins to drain away that's what we check by the pulse i mean sorry doctors will kill me for that huh so by the pulse we um, allopaths check the pulse rate and everything but siddha system of medicine and the ayurvedic practitioner they didn't see this they they would hold the pulse and they would say nadi kamzor hai meaning thereby that the life energy is not flowing as it should be and it's not difficult to develop this art so nadi kamzor hai you know the other day mahabharata episode they were saying nadi kamzor hai but if the power of life is now it changes into a luminous force of the divine then even if the body is in the most decrepit state this power will impose itself and keep the body alive till it its deed is done that's the secret of shikandi <laughs> because the power of life is now no more in the grip of the body but is the master not only master it has opened to a universal vital energy and is lifted up so what happens with such a life force healing becomes so much easier we can direct this prana into whatever spot we want healed we can through this prana reach out to far and distant spaces this prana can enter into the universal prana and create a kind of uh, cosmic envelope if we like that's how you know what did mother say she said in the ashram you cannot live without breathing my atmosphere and she said my atmosphere extends in the subtle physical right up to the lake which is about 10 kilometers so this shakti will also liberate the physical of its limitations so many things that we think that are a must with the body they will no more act like that it will be changed its working will be changed so this is how we arrive at a perfection of the instruments through the action of the divine shakti but unlike in the traditional tantric yoga where the action begins from below upwards and hence we first enter into the cosmic ranges of the lower nature which is so dangerous there are people who have this awakening if they don't have a proper guru they can enter into all kinds of undue un uh, you know 
appetites which are unimaginable so it there are dangers of it read pandit uh, i think was it gopikishan or gopinath his book on he had a spontaneous awakening of the kundalini and it was so miserable he wrote a letter even to shirobindo where suddenly it awakens and the lower appetites because it is awakened from below so lower appetites means uh, food uh, sexuality all these things awaken and the person doesn't know how to handle it he anger you will see some of these yogis were so angry and you wonder why they are angry even non integral yoga practitioners <laughs> so <laughs> because when this awakens from below this is the danger but in this yoga the force comes streaming down from above so it comes toward the lower chakras later so by then already an army of light the heart is purified and you know uh, arrived at a certain degree of perfection the speech the mind the thoughts this tremendous clarity and then it enters the lower part the navel where there is the ambition and all that so because already there is a uh, you know already these chakras and opening these uh, energies and capacities of nature have arrived at their perfection so they superimpose themselves so when ambition comes up they say look here you have to do only divine service you're not here to satisfy so ambition is easily conquered then when one goes down then again these sexual and all these energies will come up because that's how the yoga is uh, proceeds and one has to again they have to undergo a purification there is no more that elimination but they have to be lifted to their divine possibility is there a divine possibility even in sexuality shrivindu says yes but not the crude form all this thing has to go completely the way we right now indulge in an animal way the divine possibility is in the union of the masculine and the feminine principle that is what we see in the highest forms of tantra where we see the union of shiva and shakti so please don't try it it is not to be done all these things are you know disclaimer ke sath i should put it but well since we are speaking about the perfection we must mention everything and finally the perfection of the body so this is how the yoga proceed from above downwards so the only real experience of this yoga is the descent of the divine shakti from above downwards how is it experienced it's experienced initially as a thrill sometimes there is a thrill in the head sensation in the forehead some people will say i have a sensation in the forehead good very nice it's opening when it opens then sensation will cease <laughs> then it will open or some people feel a sensation here sometimes they ask a doctor if they are unfortunate and doctor will say get an ecg done yes so this is not uh, the problem of ecg it is the problem of dkg <laughs> i don't know what it is but d is for divine okay is a divine cardiogram so the divine is pushing to open this center and when this center opens then again this so people feel a pressure over the chest they may sometimes feel a pressure below also in the knees right below all the centers in shobindu yoga right below the soles of the feet the centers go it is not just the classical so this is this eventually leads to siddhi siddhi is that all the instrument they arrive at the fullness of their possibilities and are uplifted or undergo a transmutation under the pressure of the divine shakti divine consciousness which is the mother and then after that comes well that's the part <laughs> bhukti <laughs> bhukti is the divine enjoyment of the leela so we have uh, some people have put bhukti before siddhi i think it's a mistake mistakenly put shobindu has not put it like that there was a controversy regarding it so i don't know which version people are reading but the sequence is shuddhi mukti siddhi bhukti the divine enjoyment comes last because delight is the first thing that went into existence so it is the last to be recovered it's out of delight that existence started so then we understand the whole plan of creation is ultimately to have divine enjoyment in the divine leela but we cannot first we are very maimed and you know so a lot of things we experience in our life today are a shadow play it's like cricketer going for net practice starts taking very seriously ki are wo ball par main out ho gaya are practice it well then you will graduate into test match but we become so serious about this part of the life that we forget what we are here for that's why mother says one of the problems of human beings are is that they take their life too seriously and second is she says the problem of perfection is that human being want to reduce it to a set of virtues and eventually they want to eliminate everything else which is not in tune with that virtue but divine is a whole he is anant guna 
He is not just one virtue. Yet his Ananta Guna aspect, uh, you know, uh, reveals itself in a fourfold personality. That's how we'll see toward the latter part uh, a very beautiful chapter in the synthesis, which um, reveals to us the secret truth behind Chaturvarna. So, fourfold personality is the ascent of the soul uh, through a cycle of rebirths from its complete involvement in matter, which is where it is, Dehichinme. So, it only understands material world, it only understands the constructions of matter. But even there, it must arrive at perfection. So, Dasya Bhav, that's what was later on in social order, it became the Shudra. What, who is the Shudra? Who has Dasya Bhav towards the divine? I am your servant and slave. That is the perfected Shudra Shakti. Shubhinda says, he uses the word Shudra Shakti. And it's something very beautiful. Padabhyam Prithvi, Shudra, always at the feet of the Lord. I am at your feet. So this is the Shudra Shakti. And Shudra Shakti brings from within itself Prema. Prema Shakti. So then from there, the next level is where we have the Vaishya Shakti. What is Vaishya Shakti? Harmony and a kind of love which... Uh, horizontally spreads and brings people forces together and harmonizes them. So we don't have right now, uh, I mean most human beings don't have, that's why there is so much chaos in the world. Ask anybody, do you want harmony? Yes, of course. So what about your life? Let two persons come together, both wanting harmony. And it (laughs) it won't take a day perhaps. Let them just travel in one compartment, see how disharmony develops. Because it's not about wanting. The instrument is not capable. Under the ego, it says I want harmony. But its idea of harmony is do the way I want you to do. That is the written in small footnote. Of course I want harmony. But you don't do it. <laughs> what do I do? You have to behave the way I want you to behave. You must do the way I want you to do. See, there will be harmony. Because you don't do so, there is no harmony. So that's not how harmony. Harmony by its nature means differences and different units and uh, multiplicity coming together. And you see that um, uh, twig of harmony which mother has called harmony. Have you seen? It looks like a jumbled up things all around. And yet there is a beauty within it. That's harmony. That they are all intertwined in strange ways. You can't figure out. And they are all different. And yet you take them out and they are so beautiful. They are all together. They form a harmony. They are not jumbled up in a chaotic way. So that's called harmony. Then there is the power of the Kshatriya Shakti. What is the Kshatriya Shakti? Might, strength, force, conquest, victory. But in ignorance it becomes my victory, my might. It becomes the divine victory in this world. And divine victory in this world is not a jihadi crusader, not the priest of the night inquisition. Divine victory is the victory over oneself. And in all who are called for the yoga. And yes, sometimes one has to stand against the forces of darkness. But without violence, without fear, without you know, um, anger, without hatred. One takes a stand because that's what is required. And that's it. So, might and strength of the divine manifest. And then at its highest, the jnana shakti. So, jnana shakti is where uh, there is the luminous opening into all the great truths of existence. Not just the truth of the divine beyond, but even in everyday life. Jnana Shakti must uh, uh, tell us even in the smallest movements uh, what is to be done. It has two aspects. One is the essential knowledge and then the way to act. Even it can govern the physical body, where you have to go, how you have to, everything it can govern, Jnana Shakti. So in an integral yoga perfection, all this fourfold personality must come together. And create a harmonious synthesis. So the yogin of the integral yoga is not just a wheelchair, armchair person sitting in meditation. And saying all is maya, all is brahman, all is leela. No, integral yogi goes out into the world. He is at once a power of knowledge operating in the world, bringing light where now there is darkness. He is at once a warrior, a victor. For the divine sake he fights in the world. For his divine consummation, he is the great, you know, like Arjuna, battles under the divine guidance. But he knows that failure is cradled on thy deathless arms, victory is thy passage mirrored through fortune's glass. So he knows that in the end, it's not about victory and defeat, but doing what you must do. The deed that God has put in the heart, to do it without laxity and weakness. 
and neither with that ostentatiousness you know i am the one who did this no not with the jhanda and jhanda is the lords that's the wrath of the arjuna jhanda is hanuman ji the charioteer is krishna what is arjuna's role you do you fight victory or defeat belongs to the lord if there is defeat it is on his deathless arm and if there is success or victory it is his passage seen through fortune's class so this is how the yogin also has to be this the yogin also is a power of harmony and love and sweetness in life so he is not a warrior of the merciless kind that you know some of these people become kathod so shurbindo speaks of bringing these two energies samya bhav and radra bhav so often people uh, you know they are quick to temper and very easy excitable very anger prone but they don't have the samyata both have the tender feelings of the heart the softest emotions that you know which um, understands the pain even of a bud or a leaf which is on the floor on the ground and the yogin should be such that he does not just trample over it unconsciously and carelessly because are it's after all a leaf i am going my way i am living in brahman consciousness no he cares even for the little um, leaf on the ground and you know there are such stories about mother that when children fell they would rush to mother rather than that story of kakeda i have heard you know father is behind and kakeda is running so he fell down so his father but he started running away from him inside the ashram right up to mother's room that's how you know the old ashram not uh, <laughs> you try doing it today <laughs> you will have to go through so many checks and balances so he also come where is he gone so he goes up the stairs mother comes out what does mother do oh my child she is rubbing cleaning putting the balm giving a set of chocolates she is not saying you should be brave so what if you fell wake up she is not saying that he has approached her as one who would relieve his his pain he has approached her like that and so she replies somebody else who approaches as a warrior she may say what for a small thing you are feeling like that go and battle so it's you can't make her respond but all these aspects are there and then he says naturally he went to the mother came back smiling so this is how this power of sweetness harmony um, beatitude beauty which is an aspect of the divine beauty not only inside but beauty and harmony in thoughts in feelings in outer life in a life with people all our dealings uh, even our speech should be beautiful you know not like out out even if you have to say out you, you can say adab se you know please be on the side wait for your turn how <laughs> it <laughs> so music no stand there now see how it looks that's not a mother's child ways even when he has to refuse something he will do it with a smile i'm sorry it cannot be done and you'll stand firm on that but it will not be i told you so so everything will be filled with that sweetness harmony and beatitude and then the last the dasya bhav the servant of the lord the worker he is ready to undertake any work but if he has to leave it tomorrow he will not say oh i did so much today i am asked to stay away there was one of the first lessons i learned in the ashram <laughs> got a work there there was no work actually marbling department i mean very wonderful it was but in the morning so hardly anybody i am sitting at the counter to cut receipts no so hardly anybody comes so what do i do so i would walk read some book sit quietly so one day i got like a guidance from within pravrti se nivrti restless monkey you always want to do something no pravrti i must do something se nivrti i said ha ye acha saath mein saundarya vriddhi all the wonderful you know colors so this is how the dasya dasya is happy anywhere he is not eyeing on a you know that chair if i get then i can serve mother no a das will serve even if he is waiting and watching they to serve who wait uh, and watch what is that stand and yes wait and watch they to serve why because even when you are waiting your smile your presence your 
calling the divine peace solicitude it's spreading in the atmosphere one doesn't have to actively outwardly do something when someone asked the mother that what should i do when i grow old and i can't do many things physically she said that's the best time you can do something which others don't do what is it call the divine call me milton no so call me and that's the thing which uh, i'm sorry that was a cross connection cosmic consciousness no leave it <laughs> so it was like to call uh, the divine presence and that is even when one is beating there is no work to do outwardly there is always the inner work so das is always at the divine service if there is nothing outward he is doing an inner work every person is meeting there is an inner work he is invoking the divine presence what else is work all else is secondary and subordinate and when it goes you know when we bring out the harmony of all these fourfold powers then we are ready for the supramental change that's how the whole process of yoga goes so what is the key we have spoken of faith and equanimity the key ultimately in this yoga is surrender to the divine mother and her shakti this yoga cannot be done by any personal effort or practice however big tapasvi we may be surrender to the divine and infinite mother is the first the middle and the last consummation of the yoga what is the difference between the three in the beginning it starts with a general surrender mother i am yours carry me now this surrender is there are cosmic forces which have heard you oh you made the surrender ha huh? okay so they will come and tease you dekh dekh tera surrender so that is the time <laughs> faith will come at your aid yes yes see trust her so faith trust confidence surrender then you'll say okay mother this too is yours this appearance is yours this inner movement is yours this event is yours then slowly this surrender begins to become the path meditation is a surrender work is a surrender sleep is a surrender waking is a surrender and that surrender slowly graduate into obedience of the divine surrender is not just a passive state it's a state where i want to do what you want me to do i don't want to be moved by my self will so the instrument also undergoes a change in the beginning there is the sense of separate instrument helped time to time by the divine power next step the instrument begins to merge in the divine power one is constantly conscious of the divine shakti pouring and in the third to hi to main na rahu so that's how there is no sense of i the doer there is constantly the divine power which is doing what it needs to do so this is how the whole yoga progresses starts with surrender it's middle without surrender to the divine mother this yoga cannot be done this yoga is not done by any kind of techniques methods even if one knows nothing absolutely nothing about anything one has not heard the word yoga but has the great um, leap or or great fortune or destined and one just opens to the mother and stays open one will arrive at the final consummation of the yoga shobindo's letter all who are open to the mother are doing my yoga so this is the final word and see how how this final word is similar to entire gita after all the 18 chapters sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam raja it starts with shishyaste ham sadhimam and then it says tell me what i should do i want to obey you obey you at the end he says he teaches him the entire history geography and science and mathematics and occultism and spirituality everything krishna teaches ha huh? so he's smart at the end he says okay sarva dharman parityaja but before that he says something as man mana bhav mad bhakta madhyaji man namaskaru become my minded be full of me become my lover my devotee bow unto me sarva dharman parityaja mamekam sharanam raja refuge in the divine mother when shubindu was asked what is the central secret of this sadhana he said there are two secrets but he revealed only one he said there are two secrets the central secret is to surrender or take refuge in the divine mother surrender to the divine mother psychic surrender he used the word then the person asked what about the other secret then he said yes yes so that is aspiration for the divine life <laughs> but the central secret is to surrender psychically to the divine mother what is the difference psychic surrender makes no demands it doesn't make a condition mental surrender is where you surrender but you are on the watch out uh is it really divine no no this happened in my life no i think i have surrendered to the wrong person maybe i i should change track and go to the following other movement 
there i will have something something whatever so this is mental surrender it has reservations it has doubts vital surrender it says i will surrender to you but please i have a list of to do 20 lists so after 20 is completed this is 20 more and it goes on okay now it is no more my list my child no he also after that grandchild so divine is a wish fulfilling kamadenu <laughs> kalpataru and then the physical also surrenders but it's tamasic it says okay ganpati bappa morya after that is dancing drinking alcohol and doesn't matter you know. poor ganpati must be suffering to see all this but that is not bother because it's a fun and excitement but it is said ganpati bappa morya purcha varshi lokara after that whatever is happening is ganpati's problem that's not surrender so psychic surrender is where one makes an unconditional surrender to the divine then whatever happens life or death joy or sorrow happiness or suffering each drop of blood each cell of the body belongs to you and this belongs to you keeps on progressing because we are there are always new things we discover in ourselves and every time we discover this to belongs to you do with it what you want me to do with it so this is how the yoga proceeds and ends so just maybe i'll read one little passage just to connect and it comes uh, about the workings of the divine shakti which perplexes the human baffles the human instrument incidentally people often say that you know the mother first time shobindo revealed the four aspects of the divine mother in in the book the mother no it is in the synthesis but the book the mother came out first time after the Uh, you know arya where he talks about the mother and four aspects but it is in the synthesis uh, toward the end divine shakti where he speaks of divine mother and the four aspects <clears throat> the faith in the divine shakti must be always at the back of our strength and when she becomes manifest it must be or grow implicit and complete there is nothing that is impossible to her who is the conscious power and universal goddess all creative from eternity and armed with the spirit's omnipotence what are we speaking what is impossible to her all knowledge that's how people say some oh i am a gone case so if you are a gone case don't worry he has treated much worse than <laughs> <laughs> all this i am fit unfit all these are egoistic you know thoughts i am fit i am unfit are jisko lena hai usko decide karna you have decided by yourself he has other criteria unfortunately he makes the fit people who think i am very fit why because i am physically fit i am emotionally strong i am a great intellectual i am fit and the divine says please you are too fit for me <laughs> problem is you have no weakness so what will i do with your fitness and somebody says i am a bundle of defects but i want you come in you are the fit so our idea of fit and unfit is so those who are too satisfied with their so called humanness all knowledge all strength all triumph and victory all skill and works are in her hands and they are full of the treasure of the spirit and of all perfections and siddhis she is maheshwari goddess of the supreme knowledge and brings to us her vision for all kinds and widenesses of truth her rectitude of the spiritual will the calm and passion of her supramental largeness her felicity of illumination she is mahakali goddess of the supreme strength and with her are all mights and spiritual forces and severest austerity of tapas and swiftness to the battle and the victory and the laughter the atthasya that makes light of defeat and death and the powers of the ignorance of defeat and death she says what is it <laughs> you want to slay me no power can slay my soul it lives in thee that is the atthasya You see it in Baji Prabhu, no? And she is Mahalakshmi, the goddess of the supreme love and delight, and her gifts are the spirit's grace and the charm and beauty of the Ananda and protection and every divine and human blessing. 
she is mahasaraswati the goddess of divine skill and of the works of the spirit and hers is the yoga that is skill in works yogaha karmasu kaushalam and the utilities of divine knowledge and the self application of the spirit to life and the happiness of its harmony the intimate feeling of a presence and a power and the satisfied ascent of our, of all our being to her workings in and around it is the last perfection of faith in the shakti so both ends we have to work at the end of nature our lower nature and the higher perfection and at the end let us close with this the power of the divine universal shakti which is beyond our aspiration which is behind our aspiration is illimitable now here he uses the word universal shakti later on he speaks about transcendent and he speaks about the divine mother that is the change that has come because that time the mother is not yet taken charge of the yoga so he used to tell us you guys call the divine universal shakti and we would say lord what are you saying so then the divine mother takes charge and he says call the mother <laughs> makes it so much easier and when it is rightly called upon it cannot fail to pour itself into us and to remove whatever incapacity and obstacle look at the blanket aham twa sarva papebhyo mokshishyami amasucha look at now he is speaking this in with what an impact whatever incapacity and obstacle she will remove now or later for the times of and durations of our struggle while they depend at first instrumentally and in part on the strength of our faith and our endeavor are yet eventually in the hands of the wisely determining determining secret spirit alone the master of the yoga the ishwara namaste this is basically sometimes i think last couple of days uh, because of bit of stress and stuff um I'm not sure but my mind is too active in the in the night so it's i'm unable to have a sound sleep um so i just wanted to you know ask you uh, you know what mother and shirbinda has said in regards to conscious sleep or perfect sleep so sleep is the domain of the subconscious so it is it doesn't come very easily under the control of the consciousness that we have in the waking state so we must understand it comes naturally it's a different thing but you know sleep is one of those things which goes beyond our control like many automatic activities so the first step in the yoga is to bring things which are not in our control also under the control of the mind it makes a lot more easier meaning thereby things like sleep hygiene trying to you know quieten the thought quieten the mind all this is part of the endeavor but at the end of the day one has done all this still there would be days when sleep will elude us it goes consciously comes as we grow in consciousness so this consciousness which is in the waking state and in the inner being begins to extend into the subconscious part that's when we begin to become aware of our dreams and you know the happenings during the sleep state and uh, apart from that the simplest things he has said uh, i can give you two suggestions uh, i'm sure everybody knows it one is to sleep in the mother's lap doesn't matter let the thoughts swirl around but just think that her hand is kept on the head and the head is on her lap this is a beautiful way to sleep another thing she has explained very beautifully imagine a cocoon of her white light the light of maheshwari all around it is very soothing we don't know it originally so we we can start with imagining that there is a white light which is like a cocoon wrapped around us and it will not allow any disturbing things to enter as such it should be done because sleep is when we are very vulnerable and the third thing which needs to be done is she says imagine you are like a water lily floating in a <laughs> pond or a river or a ocean so just to imagine that i am a water lily then you can play with imagination of oh, water lily is open to the light you can make a nice light a bluish white light creamish light the ocean can be sheeshagar and you can think that mother and shrubindo are in that ocean and this water lily is floating all around opening all the petals and then shrubindo is picking up this water lily and just caressing the petals and then the mother is taking this petal and keeping it to her heart <laughs> imagination is a key she has said it opens the doors but we have to exercise it 
So be a water lily. As such in life, it is very good to be like a water lily floating on the river. A river finds its way, not like a rock. You didn't listen to me, I'm going to give a nice. So a lot of stress comes because of that, because we take certain fixed positions in life. But if we don't take that kind of fixed position, it doesn't mean not doing what we need to do. See, the problem is when people say, oh, I will be flexible means I'll do whatever I feel like doing. No. Instead of rigidity, there is a plasticity. But one does what one has to do. But it's not like a hardened stance. There is a difference between the two. A rigid, hard stand and then you know one begins to fight with circumstances, situations, people. Instead of that, to take that stance that, okay, I'll do what I need to do. And have the Kalyan Shraddha that I'll surrender it to her and let her carry me through this journey of life. The battlefield of Kuru Shetra is the path through which the chariot of Dharma passes. Dharma Shetra, Kuru Shetra. We can't avoid it. But when we have, on one side we may have Bhishma and everybody, but one day we have to learn to rely only on Krishna as the charioteer. So we take that the Divine Mother is the pilot of her ways, and then whatever be the stress, the challenges, the difficulties, she will carry us through it. This is the experience of all who have walked the way. It may take, as we just read, the time or duration may be short or long. But eventually, at the end of the tunnel, there is light. Hi. Hi. Hi, Alok. Hi. Hi from Brazil. Adrian here. Yes. Uh, I would like to ask some things. Um, I was remembering before I met Shirobindo and mother, I, w- I used to imagine a blue light to go to sleep because I was like, kind of like that with my mind always running. And I would imagine a blue light that was very good to, to go wonderful. to sleep. Yeah, wonderful. That is what is Shirobindo's light and Sri Krishna's light, depending on the shade of the blue. And it's beautiful. One can think of a blue light, a pink light, um, golden light. But white light is what the mother has spoken. It's a soothing light. Yeah, so yeah. Now I use yeah, the yeah. white light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always go with the white light. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my question was, uh, is about what you were saying about the pressure. And uh, the pressure on the head is a resistance of the nature or, or an okay, opening? Yeah. Yeah, so the pressure itself is not the resistance. It's felt like a, either on the head or in the forehead, like a gentle vibration, which is um, like a pressure, but a, there is a sweetness within it. So that is an opening. But if there is a headache, that is the resistance. Because of the pressure, sometimes the head begins to ache. Now, if there is a pain, active pain, there is a headache, as you know, then there is a resistance within the mind to the opening. So, there is a difference of the nature of the sensation. So, pressure is felt as eventually something pleasant. Uh, though it is too much, you may feel sleepy initially. A lot of people feel sleepy. But it is not disturbing. It's not like a headache. But if one feels that there is a need to take paracetamol, then there is a resistance. <laughs> yeah. No. No, always when I read in Mother, I'm feeling this pressure. Oh, wonderful. And also the wonderful. warmth, the warmth uh, yeah. in the heart all the time. Yeah. Also, and uh, unrelated question, I don't know, but two months ago when I had the COVID, I felt when I was like relaxing and let Mother cure me, a sinking, uh, mm. a, a sinking pressure, like something was pulling me downwards. Like, um, I don't know if a subconscious thing, I, I don't know. It's a feeling like a falling, like a very... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know how to, how yeah, to yeah. explain exactly. That's the action of the adverse forces. They try to pull us downward. And COVID is one of their... Uh, one of Was one of the weapons through which they... But more than COVID, it was, uh, you know... All around there were suggestions. But anyways, once it's entered, Shurabindo gave a remedy uh, for all kinds of influenza. I take it like that. Uh, It was given actually for influenza. COVID is one form of influenza. He said, no fear. Don't accept the suggestions. Stay quiet and call the mother and trust that you will be fine. This is the remedy he gave. And uh, I've seen it works well. I'm sure it worked well in you also, obviously. So, uh, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. 
were so great and now they're always with me and uh, everybody against like take medicines I, I don't <laughs> so I isolated myself from my family everybody and let mother yeah, yeah. deal with me it was fine yeah. Yeah. thank you very much thank you thank you yeah uh, you said uh, when you were talking about being sensitive hmm. towards you know everything around you hmm. each an animal or nature or any So this reminds me of a kind of a Jain, Jainism kind mm. of a attitude, mm. which is so sensitive towards it. Yes, yes. Sometimes, um, I don't know, I have had this kind of a feeling, even when I was a child, when I was not exposed to this higher wisdom. So, that was the kind of feeling when I used to see some ants or Okay. Yes, yes. Used to feel that oh, you are you know you can do much better if you become a human being. Yeah. Used to feel like even if it is crushed, it is fine. It's it's not uh, necessary to always be so aware of you know not like I had some Jain friends, so who then I used to see that during Diwali or even in their regular life. Yes, so there is a difference between doing a thing ritualistically and mechanically to conform to a group life and the thing emerging from within. Like I'll give you an example. Now, one is where I don't hurt life because it is uh, a kind of principle written in my books or wherever. And the other is where even to a door, you know, there are people who push the door where they even material objects now, even they are conscious. So somebody who is awakened within will be very conscious in dealing even with material objects so there is a world of difference between doing a thing ritualistically and mechanically as an obligation as you rightly said and between uh, within a change within because of which we do it because that's how our consciousness is operating certainly there is a difference yes thank you anupam thank you thank you so much okay thank you gratitude yes